Chapter Seven, Episode Three of Tartarin of Tarascon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. Tartarin of Tarascon by Alphonse Daudet. Episode the Third Among the Lions. Chapter Seven. Catastrophes upon Catastrophes Entirely astonished was Tartarin before his Moorish dwelling when he stopped. Day was dying and the street deserted. Through the low pointed arched doorway which the negress had forgotten to close, laughter was heard, and the clink of wine-glasses, the popping of champagne-corks, and floating all over the jolly uproar, a feminine voice singing clearly and joyously, "'Do you like Marco la Bella to dance in the hall hung with bloom?' "'Throne of heaven!' ejaculated the Tarasconian, turning pale as he rushed into the enclosure. Hapless Tartarin! What a sight awaited him! Beneath the arches of the little cloister, amongst bottles, pastry, scattered cushions, pipes, tambourines, and guitars, Baia was singing Marco la Bella, with a ship-captain's cap over one ear. She had on no blue vest or bodice. Indeed, her only wear was a silvery gauze wrapper and full pink trousers. At her feet, on a rug, surfeited with love and sweetmeats, Barbassou, the infamous skipper Barbassou, was bursting with laughter at hearing her. The apparition of Tartarin, haggard, thinned, dusty, his flaming eyes and the bristling-up fez tassel, sharply interrupted this tender Turkish Marseille orgy. Baia piped the low whine of a frightened leveret, and ran for safety into the house. But Barbassou did not wince. He only laughed the louder, saying, "'Ha, ha, Monsieur Tartarin, what do you say to that now? You see, she does know French.' Tartarin of Tarascon advanced furiously, crying, "'Captain! Digoli, que venge, mon bou! Tell him what's happened, old dear!' screamed the Moorish woman, leaning over the first-floor gallery with a pretty low-bred gesture. The poor man, overwhelmed, let himself collapse upon a drum. His genuine Moorish beauty not only knew French, but the French of Marseilles. "'I told you not to trust the Algerian girls,' observed Captain Barbassou sententiously. "'They're as tricky as your Montenegrin prince.' Tartarin lifted his head. "'Do you know where the prince is?' "'Oh, he's not far off. He has gone to live five years in the handsome prison of Mustafa. The rogue let himself be caught with his hand in the pocket. Anyways, this is not the first time he has been clapped into the calaboose. His Highness has already done three years somewhere, and—stop a bit! I believe it was at Tarascon." "'At Tarascon?' cried out her worthiest son, abruptly enlightened. "'That's how he only knew one part of the town.' "'Hey? Of course. Tarascon! A jail-bird's-eye view from the state prison. I tell you, my poor Monsieur Tarotin, you have to keep your peepers jolly well skinned in this deuce of a country, or be exposed to very disagreeable things. For a sample, there's the Mouezin's game with you." "'What game? Which Mouezin?' "'Why, yourn, of course, the chap across the way who was making up to Baia. That newspaper, the Akbar, told the yarn t'other day, and all Algiers is laughing over it even now. It is so funny for that steeplejack up aloft in his crow's nest to make declarations of love under your very nose to the little beauty whilst singing out his prayers, and making appointments with her between bits of the Koran. "'Why, then, they're all scamps in this country,' howled the unlucky Tarasconian. Barbassou snapped his fingers like a philosopher. 
"'My dear lad, you know these new countries are rum. But anyhow, if you'll believe me, you'd best cut back to Carascon at full speed.' "'It's easy to say, cut back. Where's the money to come from? Don't you know that I was plucked out there in the desert?' "'What does that matter?' said the captain merrily. "'The Zouave sails to-morrow, and if you like I will take you home. Does that suit you, mate?' "'Aye. Then all goes well. You have only one thing to do. There are some bottles of fizz left and half the pie. Sit you down and pitch in without any grudge.' After the minutes wavering which self-respect commanded, the Tarasconian chose his course manfully. Down he sat, and they touched glasses. Baya, gliding down at that chink, sang the finale of Marco la Bella, and the jollification was prolonged deep into the night. About three a.m., with a light head but heavy foot, our good Tarasconian was returning from seeing his friend the captain off, when in passing the mosque the remembrance of his muezzin and his practical jokes made him laugh, and instantly a capital idea of revenge flitted through his brain. The door was open. He entered, threaded long corridors hung with mats, mounted and kept on mounting till he finally found himself in a little oratory, where an open-work iron lantern swung from the ceiling, and embroidered an odd pattern in shadows upon the blanched walls. There sat the crier on a divan, in his large turban and white pelisse, with his mostaganum pipe and a bumper of absinthe before him, which he whipped up in the orthodox manner, whilst awaiting the hour to call true believers to prayer. At view of Tartarin he dropped his pipe in terror. "'Not a word, knave,' said the Tarasconian, full of his project. "'Quick, off with turban and coat.' The Turkish priest-crier tremblingly handed over his outer garments, as he would have done with anything else. Tartarin donned them, and gravely stepped out upon the minaret platform. In the distance the sea shone. The white roofs glittered in the moonbeams. On the sea-breeze was heard the strumming of a few belated guitars. The Tarasconian muezzin gathered himself up for the effort during a space, and then, raising his arms, he set to chanting in a very shrill voice. La Allah, illallah, Mahomet is an old humbug, the Orient, the Koran, Bashaws, lions, Moorish beauties, they are all not worth a fly's skip, there is nothing left but gammoners, long live Tarascon. Whilst the illustrious Tartarin, in his queer jumbling of Arabic and Provençal, flung his mirthful maledictions to the four quarters, sea, town, plain, and mountain, the clear, solemn voices of the other muezzins answered him, taking up the strain from minaret to minaret, and the believers of the upper town devoutly beat their bosoms. End of chapter 7 of Episode 3